This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Okay, everybody, I'm super fired up for this episode. I'm stoked here for two reasons. The first is because my next guest is the creator of one of the most handy tools hunters all over this country use in the backcountry. Today, I'm joined by Russ Musio. Musio? I think I said that right. Anyways, Russ and his brother Wes created a form of maps that I'm sure if you looked, you'd probably find on 99% of the hunters here in Canada. Now, if you haven't guessed what I'm talking about, it's the backroads maps. On this episode, you're going to hear Russ's extraordinary story of how a hunting trip three decades ago turned into a fundamental tool most guys and gals use while exploring the backcountry. Now, the backroads maps aren't just for hunters either. I'm sure anybody getting out to the backcountry will most likely have a backroads map, book, or the new app on them. Now, the second reason, actually I got more than two reasons here. One we just went over. The second is, because starting today, the Backroads Maps is a new supporter of this podcast. Great news not just for me, but for you all as well. That is because now, when you go to the Backroads Maps webpage, which you should be doing while you're listening to this episode, to get there, just go to www.backroadsmapsbooks.com. If you forget that, don't worry. There's a link now up on the Focus webpage. Go over to the webpage. Click on the products button. Here you're going to find a crazy amount of resources that will help you in the backcountry. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details today on the products. I'm just too damn excited to get going with the show here. But listen, now, when you purchase a Backroads Maps product online, use the promo code FOCUS, and you're going to get 10% off your order. But I got one more reason why I'm fired up. This is how cool these guys and gals are over there. They're giving away three bundle packages for the listeners of this show. In each package, you're going to find a Backroads Map book, a voucher, good for a one-year subscription to thebackroadsmaps.com, and the Backroads Maps app with Canada-wide coverage. Hold on, I'm not done yet. There's also, they're also giving away a swag pack, which includes drink koozies, a camping mug, some stickers, and a backpack. Come on. To get all this, super simple, all you have to do is write into info at focushunting.ca Tell me what you think of the show and this episode. The first three people to do so are going to get one of these packages. Okay, before we get going, Vortex Optics Canada. The best in optics, period. Now, you've all heard me talk about the Vortex brand from, well, the beginning of the show. Now, Vortex has just released a whole new line of tripods. I have one coming in the mail that I'm super stoked for. I'm going to be reviewing this thing with you guys once I get my hands on it. But in the meantime, just head over to VortexCanada.net. Check out all these new tripods they got. And while you're there, check out some of the other cool stuff they got there as well. Finally, a quick shout out to BC's interior chapter of SCI. Here in BC, we got our hands full right now. Our right to hunt and fish is being threatened. If you folks want to keep doing the things you love to do, you need to get on over to bcinteriorsci.ca and see what we're facing right now in BC. Well, this sucks. Just messing around with the Backroads Map app. Yeah, we've uh, done some big improvements there and uh, 
pretty happy with the map deliveries of that finally so yeah man no it's good so uh so how you doing today russell oh not too bad it's a nice sunny day here in Kelowna, so enjoying it how do you pronounce your last name it's musio just like the uh, the animal i guess so uh, so you're originally from trail you you were uh, born and raised correct yeah that's where uh, we uh grew up and learned uh, the great outdoors and the love for the hunting and fishing and trails and all that sort of stuff so it's a you know an outdoors community with a big sporting background so it's very interesting kept me kept me active yeah so was, was your dad into hunting he was very much yeah that's um he was actually a very high level engineer was after his death we found out about all these world-class patents and all that stuff but he stayed in trail just because he could get home at five be down in the river and you know 15 minutes and fishing or obviously during hunting season we had a whole slew of areas you could get to and you know from deer hunting to to elk to wild turkeys more recently and yeah it was definitely a, a good place for that sort of uh, place to be based out of so yeah did you get any hunting in this year or are you too busy uh we did but it was kind of got it was a bit of a bummer of a season i think with covid uh the limited entry that most of those tags that I normally have no problem getting didn't get any up north and stuff. And I think there was a little bit of alterations. That's my, my conspiracy theory on that one in terms of letting people get their normal tags. And so we had to stick local. Um, and then uh, we had a, I pre-scouted an area and I think I found a, an ultimate wall hanger mule deer. It was so big. I thought it was actually an elk at first. So we, we just went up there early in the season, but it was too hot and summery and, you know, we could see him and all that, but he was way far away. So we planned a big trip in October to get up there. But with that early snowfall in, in the Okanagan here about middle of October, we couldn't get up to him, not even in the quads or even hiking because it was, it was way back in the backcountry. So, yeah, we were a bit bummed out. We were hoping the snow would melt, but it, it never did. So. I think that boy is nice and safe to grow another year. So I'm excited to try to get him next year or this year. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't early snowfall this year. It was a little tricky with the muleys. I, I ended up getting one. It was a grind though. I got one over in region three, which is the uh, first time I really hunted over there, but I managed to pull one out of there uh, right at the end. And it, uh, it uh, wasn't easy. That's for sure. Yeah. We saw, we got a little, we got a couple little guys, but you know, the, the big guys, like I said, were kind of a bit higher, but yeah, we really got, you know, thwarted because the area I was also in region three, which is a pretty steep area. So you just need the machines to get up to the right country. Right. And then you can, you know, do what you do, but we, we couldn't get up there. And, you know, obviously I wasn't going to use a snowmobile or anything like that. And so, and we had to alter our hunts, but hey, it's all good. You know, discover a new country and get to play with my maps more to figure out some new areas to hunt. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of uh, LEHs do you typically put in for? moose we're we're kind of funny me and my brother are we we like to dream so we put into for everything yeah um you know from the the mountain goats and sheeps with ridiculous odds to the bison up north to uh, i don't know like the caribou combo moose combo and the spatizi we do every few years just because i don't know if anyone's been up there but it's a spectacular area and i don't the the, it's the thrill of the chase more than the the kill up there and stuff and so we, we try to do a bit of that just so we mix it up and kind of get out and explore bc we have you know hunter hosts out in ontario and alberta we try to get out there as well from time to time just to you know explore and get to do new things so it's kind of exciting yeah definitely so russell i think uh you know everybody listening to this podcast obviously has spent some time in the backcountry and uh I'm sure that all Canadian listeners are, are familiar with uh, the backroads maps, but, uh, you know, for the people in the U S or, you know, maybe the Canadians who've been living under a rock, can you maybe just give everybody, a uh, some information on what the backroads maps are? Uh, you don't got to give a big spiel or anything. Maybe just, uh, give us your elevator pitch. Oh, certainly. I well, appreciate the opportunity, but yeah, backroad map books was just basically created by a couple young Kootenai boys from BC that were looking for areas to go out and explore and find new areas to really start a based off hunting. So it's just a combination of maps that covers the whole area. We try to put in as much detail as we can in terms of roads and trails and all the recreational activities. And yeah, so we started with the map books and from there it's kind of evolved to the GPS maps, which is 
pretty good for, you know, real backcountry where, you know, battery power and cell coverage is, is a problem. And now we have our, our apps and uh, topple maps and a whole spinoff of series. So doing for almost 30 years now, and, you know, it's been super well received in, in Canada, in particular BC, it's been, you know, like you said, everyone and their dog has it. If I stop at a gas station, it's with my truck, they definitely all say hi to me. So it's kind of cool. And then, you know, the other areas that we're, we're kind of branching into like back East and stuff, it's still kind of still being discovered. And once they do there, they love the product. So let's back up a bit. You, you said a couple Kootenai boys started a, a simple back roads map. You know, how did it kind of become a thing? Well, it's kind of a, a bit of a funny story, but basically when we were, um, we we're both down in university, uh, you know, we grew up in trail and then went down to Vancouver, UBC and we're out, you know, okay, well, it's, it's, it's November. It's hunting season. It's, it's deer hunting season. Okay. Where do we go hunting? So we, uh, we kind of had some topple maps and we had, I think it was called the BC Recreation Atlas and a few other things out there. And we're, we're out in the Harrison area trying to figure out where to go hunting. And, you know, there's these main roads and there's a lot of hunters out there because it's close to the lower mainland and population base. So we, well, where does this road go? And we looked at all the maps and nothing had it on the, on the map. So we went up there and okay, that was fine. And then we went to the next one, same thing wasn't on the map. And, we start going up this road and West had this old, I think it was a two wheel drive Nissan truck. So anyways, it was not a good decision. It was a bit of snow on the road. And next thing we know, we're, we're sliding backwards. And next thing I know is I jump out the door cause he's driving and, and he, uh, he's sliding backwards and he gets hung up on the precarious side of the, the road where they actually plowed kind of caught his wheels before he flipped over and kind of rolled down the embankment. And he, he kind of looks at me, did you just bail on me? And I said, absolutely. What am I going to do with you? So anyway, so we somehow got out of that. And from that precarious situation where we went, we were kind of basically going blind into an area. We came up with the idea that, you know, someone should put together, you know, something similar to what they have in the city with those, those city map books. And so we kind of put that idea together and brought it to around to some people in the mapping industry and in, into the trade shows. And from there, it's kind of evolved, listening to people, the retailers, the consumers and all that sort of stuff to, to make it into what it is, what it is today. So Wes, that's, uh, that's your brother. Correct. And what year was this when, when this all was going down? That would have been 1993. Yeah. We started the company back in, in 93 so that actually idea probably was spurned on uh, november 1992 and then uh, yeah from there i was i was actually in my final years of uh, a degree called leisure and sport admin so combination of commerce and and uh, phys ed and i kind of altered my whole uh, program based off of this idea and i was able to do a thesis working through the the concept of uh, creating you know a series of map books or at that point, just BC and, you know, seeing if there would be a business out of it. And I, I still want to go back to my teacher and get the extra marks because I she only gave me like 94% or something. She said that my business plan wasn't, was too good. There was no way that I was going to be this, this profitable or this, uh, you know, lucrative, right, off of making map books. And the numbers that I put into that business plan are, are far from what we've done in terms of the number of book sales and map sales and, and revenue and all that sort of stuff. But course i forgot about all the expenses that come along with growth of course but yeah it's definitely worked out really well no doubt so when you guys first put this together what areas did it cover so our very first one was obviously where we did it as a self-serving thing you know probably the best ideas are done that way but we like we said we, we were kind of based out of vancouver and we're like well we don't know this area at all so we started with what we called southwestern british columbia and we created this this book that kind of covered right over to the Fraser Canyon up past Lillooet and Pembroke and just kind of everything within a couple hours drive of Vancouver. And back then there wasn't any fancy computers programs. And I think the, the only program out there was something called AutoCAD, which was on my student budget was a little bit out of my price range. I think it was $20,000 a year to, for a licensing program. So um, we did it the old fashioned way. We'd get big pieces of Mylar. We'd go into the the map library and start with the, you know, the, the base topographic maps and literally just copy those out. And then from there, we, we'd start knocking on all the, the doors of the forestry companies to get, you know, the logging roads and things like that. And then 
we started going to all the tourism information centers to get all the information on trails and paddling routes and all this sort of stuff. And before you know it, we just started throwing all that stuff onto a map because no maps had any of that information. You know, there was topple maps with basic roads and there was the odd recreational guide or a forest service map with, you know, the, you know, basic roads and rec sites, but there really wasn't anything out there that had everything on one map and, you know, showed the things that wanted that we wanted to do personally, which was mostly hunting and fishing, but we also like to hike and paddle and do everything else, camp and all that. So, so you guys are taking all this information and you're putting it all together manually. You bet. That's so, um, Again, I wasn't in geography or uh, or anything like that, but I just went, you know, obviously at school you have a lot of resources. So I went and talked to, uh, you know, the guys in the geography program and said, okay, here's my idea. How do I do it? And they said, well, here's how you start. And so basically we would create a layer, you know, on, on these massive pieces of mylar, like 36 inches by 24, you know, the same size as a topple map. And on each layer would be, you know, the water. Next layer would be roads. And then, you know, text or mountain text, and if they had any recreational facilities. So we'd start layering it all in. So if I came across a new forestry map, I would, you know, my brother was in forestry, he's a professional forester as his original uh, degree or trade. So we had a lot of contacts there. So we'd be able to talk to all the forestry companies and get their roads in, and then we'd overlay that to another layer. And then it would all kind of be a big sandwich, all done manually on a, you know, paper. So... What, was it difficult to get these forestry maps? Um, it was mostly pretty easy. We had the contacts and it really was just about knocking on the doors. Now, some areas were really helpful and other areas were, were less so. <laughs> so, um, but more, more than often than not, if you ask, kind of like in uh, hunting out in the Alberta or, you know, the prairies, as long as you ask, people are more than willing to, to share and, and give, right? So, um, so that's kind of what it did but um the challenge these days is trying to get that digitally from you know forestry companies they don't want to give that up they have to give it to the warehouses of the, the government but they they don't give their their good stuff their a, a stuff that's for sure but so we have to deal with that but it's it's all good so so how long did it take you to to put this first map together uh that's a good question i i think i had a trade show booked um the very first trade show in vancouver was the fishing and outdoor show that unfortunately no longer exists but back in 93 in january so i started literally on that this book and this idea after school ended you know i did my thesis and it looked good so we said great i was able to apply for a government loan get a loan for my dad and my brother put in the rest of my money and i said okay it's going to cost me I think at that point, $9,000 to put the first book together. So I started probably in June and worked my butt off to put the mapping together. Meanwhile, my brother kind of put together, you know, all the writing on, you know, the various writing. We did charts back then on the various fishing and campsites and parks and stuff like that. So it was a very basic book in terms of what it is today, but yeah, so we, we spent probably a good eight months compiling everything together and then had to get it printed. So so what was the reaction like at the trade show? Well, between the trade show and the first few vendors, we printed 3,000 of this book as a sample. We we were sold out by the end of January. So basically, the if we had more units to sell at the trade show, we could have. We, we sold right out. And uh, we went to places like, ITMB international maps and a couple of specific mapping and hunting places. And they all took, you know, whatever they took a hundred, 200, and they all sold out instantly. So we're like, wow, this is a good idea. But also at the shows and listen to those guys, people came back and said, well, you know, charts and books are really hard to read and understand. Why don't you guys just do this? Or why don't you add paddling routes or why don't you add, you know, a hunting section and, you know, all these things have evolved out of listening to the people at the shows and, and, and the retailers and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. So you got a map of South of the Southern British Columbia, you got 3000 copies sold. Um, then what, you know, what's the next play from there? Well, we, we said we could either, either just reprint it and keep going with that, or we could try to improve it to make this be a long lasting 
product. So what we basically did is we went to the next area on Vancouver Island and decided to do that and then add in these different components and create another book like that and just to see what the reaction was to see whether it's just an isolated thing towards you know the lower mainland because you know in the lower mainland it's it's an area starred for people to try to get out and find unique areas and all that whereas Vancouver Island we're like oh there's maps all over the place like McMill and Bodell back then I think they're now Warehouser or whomever they are but um they were they had some really good maps and then there was a you know a guy, a good friend of mine and a you know, competitor, Guy Johnson, had a couple maps out there. And we're like, will this book work in an area where it's, we felt it was well-documented, well-mapped? And, and we, so we put that together. It was a better book because of the resources were better to work with. And we put 6,000 that one together and boom, same thing. That one sold out in the first uh, you know, three to six months. We're like, okay, we're onto something here. So now we got to we got to wrap this up. So that's kind of, so is this just a part-time thing you guys are doing on like, do you have other jobs at the time? I know you said you, you, you just finished school there, but you know, you got another income coming in at this time. Yeah. Well, my brother was a, was a forester at that point and he was going in for his, his law degree. So he kind of had his work. He only did this part-time. I kind of worked on it full-time, but in the meantime, I just held up, you know, a part-time job or two or three, you know, just to keep the bills going. I think my very, my first year doing this, my total income was $6,000. So it was definitely on a student budget, but you know, it's the sacrifices you do while you're, you're working. So I'd work probably with no word of a doubt, probably 20 hours a day, you know, between the, my regular jobs and trying to get this together, just trying to get it out the door because it was just so labor intensive trying to put the maps and all the research and writing together. Um, are you married now? I am. Yes. Yes. Were you married at the time? Oh, they're to my, my product. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's good. That's what I was going to ask you. Cause you know, I mean, um, diving into, you know, uncharted water like this is, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's probably a little easier when you don't have to worry, you know, about, uh, um, approbation from somebody else. So especially, yeah, I, uh, I turned through a couple of girlfriends, they felt a little neglected or like, I they figured I had another, uh, girlfriend or something because they're like, you know, what are you doing? Like, so yeah, I definitely uh, burned a couple bridges there, but you know, it was all like found an idea. And it, it was just the fact that it was so well received. Everyone just loved it and raved about it that, you know, it just drove that passion to, to create this, this product. And, you know, you know, next up was the Okanagan book and, you know, you just, you want to put these together and see how they responded. And when, with the response that we got, it was, it was really easy to keep driving forward and, in fact, that continues today. We still get, you know, just so many rave reviews about our product and how it's helped them and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's really a very strong motivator. Yeah. So you got 6,000 copies of the new map sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year are we in right now? Uh, that would have been, just trying to think, 94 would have been when we got the island out and, and sold. And then uh, we went back and redid the, the Southwestern BC title. And then I think in 96 is when I got my third one finally done, which was been for the Okanagan area. So, so in the meantime, we're just kind of printing, I think 6,000 units of each of these books. And as they sell out, we would, either, we would update them a bit and then, uh, you know, continue to, to add to them. So um, yeah, so it's kind of carried us through to, to about 96. Then we had the three titles and went on from there. So at this time, who are you guys selling the product to? Are you guys selling them in bookstores or you still, yeah. you still going through trade shows? And um, so that was where we, we were running into the quandary. Now that we had what we deemed a series, we, you know, we were like, okay, what's the best way to go about doing this? Cause they, the early days I'd go and, you know, pound on all the doors and find anyone that sold anything outdoors related and bookstores and, and mapping companies pretty easy on the Island and Vancouver where, there's a lot of those retailers. So it was easy to sell through my inventory personally. But as we kind of tried to branch into say somewhere where the Okanagan, all of a sudden you're, you know, I'm, I'm a single dude uh, based in, in, in the coast, they're trying to build a product and sell it. So I wasn't sure what to do. So, you know, I approached a few book distributors and stuff like that. And, you know, a few of them wanted full exclusivity and we said, no way, there's no way I'm going to do that. Thankfully we never did. So 
eventually we took on distributors and, and then we actually had people knocking on our doors. You know, Rand McNally back then was a big mapping company that I think has been replaced by MapArt and, and all that sort of stuff. And so they knocked on our door and said, we love your product. We see it everywhere. Can I carry it? I'm like, sure. So, so we started to take on some distributors. We'd do the trade shows and then we would do our own personal sales to the, you know, the, the industry, the people that we needed to hear feedback from. So, so that's been a very successful way to kind of improve the product as well as getting sure you have control of sales and all that sort of stuff. In the beginning, who was your key market? Cause I imagine uh, hunters jumped all over this, this thing. Well, actually it's kind of funny back in the nineties, uh, it was the fishermen. They were the guys that would spend ridiculous money on, you know, fly fishing gear and boats and that sort of stuff. They were actually our, our number one market. The hunters were, were frugal to say it politely. <laughs> They're uh, I think it's kind of almost swapped in, in the last, uh, you know, 20, 30 years where now I think the hunters, the ones that are the first ones that buy our app, um, the GPS maps and that sort of stuff. And the, the fishermen are the more frugal guys for some reason, but I would just, I would just definitely hunting and fishing was our core. But of that, I would say that probably 70, 80% of it was the fishermen. And that's how uh, actually we, we went into that fishing map book series. We, we created for a while there is because of that. So. Did you guys do the whole province before you left, before you moved, expanded out of province? Um, Basically, we did, except for the very far north, just because it's such a massive swath. So we basically had what we called five books, and it would have been up to central BC. So, you know, Prince George area, we figured anything within a couple hours of Prince George was a good area. So we, we did that, and then we kind of parlayed over into to Alberta. And in the meantime, a guy from Ontario found us. And he was living out in Castlegar, so Rainier Trail. And he, he said, oh, this product would be a super hit in Ontario. You ever thought of going there? I said, well, we'd love to, but there's no way we can do it because I just can't you know, physically do it. So I said, well, I'll move back. So, so he kind of took that title, his name, Jason Marlowe. Appreciate him. Helped us big time. But he basically took the title and kind of started bringing it into the core areas of Ontario, starting with cottage country Ontario and eastern Ontario and that sort of stuff so so that started in in about 99 so we were able to see whether it would work so we parlayed into Alberta a little bit as well as Ontario and then to see how those would work and they're still selling today so obviously they work well yeah so but up until 1999 it's just uh it's just the two of you running this thing well, Wes at that point kind of would do a lot of the research and writing, but then he was getting too busy because he was professional forester slash lawyer now. So I had to get some help. So I obviously brought in the first people I started to bring in were actual mappers because I'm no mapper by trade. I'm just a, a guy with an idea. So I, I bring in some help on that end. And then uh, eventually we would also kind of work with some, you know, my brother actually had a nanny because he had small kids and she needed some extra work. So she would help with, you know, what we'd call digitizing the map. So she'd basically go and kind of rep, put all the uh, road information on the various mylar and all that sort of stuff. And then my cousin who actually still working with us as a writer researcher, she'd also help us mapping and, you know, do a bit of work because I was focusing more on sales and, and research and trying to, you know, get that done. And then we brought on a, you know, a guy that helped with marketing and, and stuff. So all that started kind of in about 90, 96. And we would kind of have one full or part-time person working with a bunch of um, part-time people. And then it's kind of evolved. So I think nowadays we have about 15 people working for us, plus various writers and researchers out there. So 15. Now, those are full-time or are those uh, contract type people? Uh, 15 full-time. And then we have a few you know, contract type people. So mostly on the writing research side and, and um, you know, special guest writers and that sort of stuff. So, Yeah. 1999, um, you got pretty much all of BC, some of Alberta, some of Ontario. What's the, uh, what's the next key moment for you guys? We're getting close to 2000 here. Yeah. Uh, so I guess um, at that point we were like, okay, we've done, you know, BC and, you know, the sales in BC are, are probably six to one versus the other areas. So we kind of branched a little bit into 
what we were trying to do is spin off titles. So we started with the fishing, fishing BC series, where we did a series of, of books on all the various lakes and, and stuff like that. And then we would parlay into a couple, you know, guidebooks like uh, we did a, the Trans Canada Trail guidebook, and we did a, a pictograph one, and uh, you know, a couple others. So, so we kind of parlayed into a bit of that that domain to see if that was you know whether we we're going to be a publishing company you know focusing on outdoor recreation you know obviously map based or not and uh, the fishing bc series did fantastic and it's kind of still kicking around today and we keep getting requests for it but they're all sold out they're just a lot of work the other ones yeah not so much so we kind of branched away from that and then refocused on okay what are we going to do so we you still have a big country to cover so we just continued to expand by expanding to other areas so we eventually made our way into the maritimes across the prairies covered all of Alberta, finished off bc and and all that sort of stuff so so that happened in the early 2000s and kind of carried us through to the into kind of now i guess yeah so well i mean the 2000s i guess that's when uh you know that's when the technology world really started taking off it's uh uh the internet's I guess it's kind of a household thing by now. Google is, uh, was right around that time, I think. Uh, so when did hunters, you mentioned they're a little hesitant at first, when did they start, you know, really catching on to the idea of back road maps? Cause as oh, far, yeah. you know, from backing up from when I can remember, my dad was always using these books. So I just, um, in terms of that, I'd say, well, it would have been, you know, like I said, just in the very beginning was the fisher, fishing guys. Hunters have always been there, but I think they've now transferred, like it was just a slow evolution where, I think they are our, our dominant market um, just because hunters are always looking for, you know, new areas to explore and, you know, can I get into this area, you know, logically and stuff. And we're, we're kind of one of the few maps that will actually show all those roads and trails out there. You know, some, we have, we often get comments, well, that road's been overgrown for 20 years. I said, well, they did use it to get in there. And they said, yeah, I said, well, that was the purpose of it. Is not necessary to say you can drive it, but you know, if there's a way yeah. in. <laughs> but I mean, you guys aren't going to go check every single road. I mean, like, come on, there's overgrown or not. I mean, you're just working off data, right? I mean, uh, you know, what it got, you know, I mean, you, you think of, you think of the access that has allowed hunters to get in places now because of these books. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty crazy. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's kind of where, you know, with the technology age and the, the, the growth of the GPS kind of took in kind of in the middle of the 2000s because um, they went from being, you know, very militant based and very rudimentary machines to what they are now. That has also helped us a ton where, you know, at one point we were almost playing with the ideas that we actually had people going out there and trying to figure out those roads, but <laughs> that's just it's just not doable, right? Unless we have a whole whack of volunteer people willing to go out there and are already out there, right? And submit their stuff. So, but yeah, that'd be pretty tough too. I, I know you'd have to be like Google where they had, I think they hired people to drive every single road worldwide. And uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's probably quite the cost. Yeah. Unfortunately they're, you know, they're dealing with billions of dollars and we're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars in terms of revenue, right. In terms of a, in a year <laughs> or even a month or whatever, but yeah, obviously it's, and be, you know, Canada is just, is a very large country like bc itself is you know a country um or several countries in europe and it's just it's a very big area so you know we've we've been lucky in the fact that as technology has improved and you know the data stuff that's going out there is, is getting better but it's still a little bit rudimentary in in the road stuff like i kind of mentioned a little bit earlier for some reason the forest companies do not provide very well attributed stuff they just dump lines into the warehouse we have to go and fix all that sort of stuff up but you know the evolution of the the, the apps and the and the gps has really made trails and and poi or you know the recreational point data a million times better it's now all spot on and it's it's, it's really good it's really improved that way so so it's 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 amazing the quality of stuff that's coming through now versus you know, back in the old day, we'd get a an e-trex track showing, oh, this is a you know a snowmobile route, and the, you look at it and go, there's that's impossible. There's no way someone's driving over to Coquihalla on both sides of the Coquihalla on a snowmobile, right? So it's just that was how poor the technology was back then. So it's it's improving for sure, and that's just what's keeping my mappers uh, 
while occupied and keeping us uh, super busy is trying to get, you know, the new information in there and improved and, you know, discover all these roads that, you know, 10 years ago was the main logging road, but now it's, it's you know, under five feet tall alder. It's, that's the, that is always going to be the challenge. I mean, it's nice to have those, even just mark those roads on the map still. I mean, even if they're unaccessible or not, it's nice to know there was still a road there at, at one time. Yeah, it's definitely helped me uh, me a ton finding new areas. And like, like I said, you just get out there and explore whether it's on a quad or walking or hiking. But yeah, and that was why we've always kept those. And, you know, even though some people complain to us that say, well, your map's updated, it's missing this new logging road or it's it's got all these roads that are overgrown i said well that's the purpose is you can make that decision on your own whether you want to travel that or not but um nine times out of ten in particular the hunting market appreciates that stuff in there because it's going to help you get to you know now now with the improvement of satellite you know obviously you can now overlay that on our you know on our app and stuff like that you can actually overlay the satellite imagery and discover where you know the cut blocks are or or the that little ridge or or whatever depending on the species you're going after right you can really put the two together and and see oh whoa wait a sec so um nice little thing that we've discovered is uh you know obviously a lot of people use google imagery and you know google maps for their satellite and definitely not the best quality so thankfully our, our new app has got a, a much more modern or a much better satellite imagery and you can really see you know cut blocks and and new new developments and things like that it's it's, it's really helping for the hunter and even the guys that are trying to kind of go quieting and, and snowmobiling in areas we've also kind of overlaid our the private land onto that in bc or the crown land in the other provinces to kind of help so it's those are the little advents of technology that are really helping not only us as mappers but people that are out exploring so yeah yeah and, and back to what you said there about uh a few hunters grumbling i think that's no matter what you do there's always going to be a few <laughs> grumbling hunters it's just uh in our dna and you ever get any uh any guys giving you a hard time about sharing this information with everyone i mean you know how religious some hunters are you ever get you never get uh some upset hunters uh you know, uh, well, finding which, other people finding access to their hunting holes. Which which story do you want? I got a few, but <laughs> <laughs> is that right? I, I could start with one if your listeners don't mind. A couple f bombs. Uh, yeah, let's one hear was it. Back in the early days, back in the nineties, the there we were kind of just put out our uh, our second version of our south southwestern BC book, and we we had our phone number in the book, and you know, I come in on a on a Monday morning, and I pick up the phone and some guy I guess was not very happy with us. He's kind of up in the Pemberton area. He's like, I got this goddamn fucking book and I got so fucking lost using this thing. I can't believe you guys actually sell this piece of shit. Well, uh, and I'm like, Whoa, my guy's pretty angry, but you know, I'm, I'm a pretty ballsy guy. So I, I said, well, you know, actually had caller ID or something back on that, or maybe he left a number. So I called him. I said, Hey dude, like you just left this nasty email or voicemail. What happened? He goes, Oh, I was using your book. And I said, well, tell me where you were or whatever. And then anyways, like I kind of talked him through it and I realized that it was nothing to do with my maps. It was, you know, all the guy, he kind of totally, he took basically what we had as a pipeline in the, in the book and he was trying to follow it on his two wheel drive vehicle. Well, needless to say that didn't go very well. You know, anyone who's driven or cut it in Alberta or BC knows that trying to find a follow up pipeline corridor is, is a dicey endeavor in the best scenario so anyways that was kind of funny and then another one a few years ago I was filling up at a gas station in the Okanagan here and this guy's kind of looking at me giving me like the stink eye I'm like oh what's what's going on dude or whatever he goes uh I don't know whether to come over and punch you in the head or give you a hug I go whoa I don't know it's kind of weird and I go well what's going on he goes well I own this piece of land, you know, I own about 120 acres over here. And prior to you, I never had anyone ever come through my property. It's actually an official forest service road that cuts through my property. But, you know, I've always been able to run my, my animals and stuff like that. But now, you know, every weekend I get like five or six people through coming through there and, you know, four are great, but it's always that fifth guy that comes and decides to rip off the road and do some burnouts or, uh, or opens the gates and doesn't close it or that sort of stuff. And so 
that's why I want to punch you in the head. But on the flip side, I want to hug you because I'm using your book all the time and I found some new, great new areas. And then he shows me a picture of this animal he shot. He goes, would have never got that without your, uh, your map book. So it's a love hate relationship here, buddy. So, you know, I thought it was pretty funny sort of scenario. I didn't know how to take that one, but so. yeah. And it's always that one disrespectful asshole. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. And unfortunately, and I hate to be stereotypical here, but I, I honestly think it is getting worse out there and, it's unfortunate. I get emails and calls from people that, uh, you know, say, I hate to do this, but we've, we've kept this, this, you know, in particular hot springs, we've kept this hot springs open for years, but I have to close this off. I need you to remove it from your books and, and this and this, you know, they need, they're obviously users of our products. They had every one of our, uh, our medias listed and said, we need to pull that off just because people are going in there and we're not talking shit. We're talking shit like they're leaving defecation everywhere toilet paper and stuff it's just so disrespectful and i don't know like if i would have done that back in the day with my dad he would have shot me right yeah so definitely that's that's the difference and i think well i know in the hunting world it comes down to mentorship and i think there's just lack of of good mentorship and and it's unfortunately getting to affect us as you know hunters like you know areas like i kind of have a little cab it up at the shoe shop area and you know i used to go around no problem and knock on the doors and you know if the road sign read bishkoff and i'd go knock on the door and it's the bishkoffs i'm like i'm thinking they've been there a while um and i would be able to get permission to go through that now they're they're usually say no until they like i can get by because they they all know me and i usually once i say who i am they're like oh well okay we'll let you go through but you can't you can't tell any other people like we're not going to let anyone else go through because this is what's happening and it, it's a little disheartening because you know 90 95 percent of the people are, are great it's just that, that five percent that are ruining for a lot of us so backing up a little bit here um with the birth of the digital world uh how much did that change your guys's uh um demographic um demographic or, or workload <laughs> um it, it really is funny because we our original map books are no longer we had to redo all those from scratch and and all that sort of so there's a whole long spiel there and stuff but in terms of the demographic it's it's opened up a lot um but you'd be surprised we are one of our better sellers is still the gps maps even though the apps i think is going to be the way they go and with our new app and the ability to download offline maps and, and the speed of them, I think the GPS is, is kind of get phased out. But the that's the, is, that's the little chip, right? The GPS you're, you're yeah. referring to. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's going to get phased out just because there, there's still a little bit of archaic uh, delivery of the maps. They're improving, but they're not going to be like, it's just, you can just do so much more with, with the phone and the apps not only from the consumer base but also from the you know the developer side but um but what i was saying there is we still have old people coming to us at trade shows or if we're out at an event doing an atv event or any kind of thing that we we can get our get to personally we have these old guys coming up and saying can you reload my chip you know they'll they'll just ask us to do it because they're using that because it's plug and play but they have no ability to do anything technologically so we're still selling to those guys quite a bit and but we're struggling to kind of reach the the young younger demographic because they're all jumping on the you know the google maps and the the all trails and, and all those sort of things so um which they're all good but they, they don't have what we have and we just hope that we can let people know what we have that's out there right and we're basically we're not just trails we're not just hunting we're not just fishing we're or roads, we're, we're all of it, right? We, we put it in there. So, because most people, you know, especially hunters and fishermen are, they don't just hunt or fish, they camp and they, uh, you know, they want to explore a trail, you know, hunters want to use the quad to get, get up there and stuff. So we have all that in there to kind of really help people get there. So the technology is, is good. And the fact that the paper map, I don't think should ever, or will ever die, but you know, it's going to decrease. So people are going to, use apps or, or gps maps and kind of switch their uh, their preference but you know cell it's, tough, it's, it's tough to uh <laughs> it's tough to uh replace a, a paper map though man i don't know i still i don't leave anywhere without having a paper map in my backpack you never know i mean you know especially in the backcountry shit can happen you, yeah you know, your battery can die and I, I you know those those uh waterproof maps you guys have 
I love those things. I mean, I don't think you can replace those ever. It's just one of those things that, you know, yeah, they're awesome. They're wrinkle-proof, waterproof. Yeah, that's definitely been a huge thing. And obviously, the you know, the number one users of those is the hunters because, you know, you can get a nice photo map. It goes in your backpack, you, you, whether it's a topple map or the, you know, the recreational maps that are a little bit bigger area. They're, they're, they're great, like you said. And the waterproof is another technology thing that you would think would have been done like 20, 30 years ago. But, you know, they finally made these plotters and the paper affordable to, you know, a small guy like us. So now we can actually print these on demand for people and you, you get them out there. Right. So it's, but yeah, I'm with you. I, when I go out there, I, I've got them all. I got, I got the map book. I got the folded topple or waterproof map. I got the GPS and I have my phone and, you know, I, I use all of them in, in different applications and it, it really is, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty powerful to be able to use that. And, you know, obviously <laughs> I have access to them and, but it also helps me discover and realize what is what is good on the map and what 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 isn't so definitely so you mentioned uh the hard work you faced when uh you know changing to the um the digital world now was that something you had to you know increase employees you know maybe some employees that had a a, a you know a better understanding of of the technology oh you bet and that's where like basically i don't even map nowadays i i just write notes um it's so beyond me but yeah we you know we went from basically Back in the day, I think the program was called CorelDRAW, which is really a graphical program. So instead of making these, you know, utilitarian kind of maps, we were making them a little bit, you know, adding labels and symbols and all that sort of stuff. Things that everyone takes for granted now in maps was was a little bit hard to, to do. It was just something that I'm like, that's what I want to want to do. Like my dad was a proponent of maps, like, where's the North Arrow? Where's this and that? So, you know, that just drove it through into our brains as kids. Um and then with the technology came along, you know, better programs and the GIS, obviously, back in the 90s was a boom in the GIS. And that's where that's out of my capability. So I bring in those guys that, to manage that. And now, obviously, with the, the GPS and the apps in particular, you, you know, you need a you need these young kids that are, you know, able to code and, and understand mapping. So it's. It's a pretty impressive, if you were ever to come by our office, it's pretty impressive to see that, you know, the technology that's utilized just to create all these different products and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, so now I'm overseeing it and just saying, okay, do this, do that. I don't know how they do it, <laughs> but but they do. They're doing pretty powerful. Yeah. Then I mean, yeah. I mean, even my kids, you know, my nine-year-old has a better understanding of some technology than I do. Well, like I said, if you look at my uh, my Zoom right now, it's in someone else's name because I can't figure it out. So, <laughs> I think uh, you know, I I hope the kids, you know, the kids coming up, they don't forget, you know, the importance of a of an actual map though, and how to read a map and how to use it. Uh, same with the compass, right? I mean, it's one thing to pull out your pull out your phone when you always have north facing up, and uh, but uh, it's one one thing I hope that the newer generation doesn't lose. Well, I. I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've been seeing out there and, you know, even from my nephews and stuff and people I like Wes and I always make a habit of trying to bring new people out to explore various areas. We always bring young, young nephews and friends and that sort of stuff. But I'm actually very impressed by their, their, their knowledge of mapping and their willingness to stick with paper maps and, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm actually encouraged. I, I think there is good stuff happening in the school systems on that end. And that they're not all just going to apps and understanding that, you know, that sort of stuff. They're also kind of like, you know, backcountry explorers. They're, they're making sure they're getting the avalanches courses and all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, you know, the 2030 some generation. But I agree, I agree with you. Like as these these phones and everyone's reliance on that thing comes around a little bit scary. If, if all of a sudden the grid shuts down, like yeah, I get from, you know, Let's just look in my back backyard here or out the back. Can someone get up from a D Lake area back to Winfield yeah. <laughs> with, without a phone? Like, you know, obviously the main roads are there, but um, yeah, it could be a little bit interesting if. if well, I mean, or if something happens, right? You never know. I mean, uh, you know, things happen, and if they ever need it, then it's it's good to have that uh, that resource. Yeah, absolutely, and like you said, it's. Hope that everyone out there is not just relying on technology, whether it's the GPS or apps, but also has a paper-based map because you know the, the battery doesn't die on that, or you know it's it's there, right? And it's, it's always going to help you, you know, 
So. Yeah, definitely. So moving through the moving through the 2000 era, uh, what's the next big milestone for you guys? Well, I think it would have been actually the uh, the evolution of the GPS. So I, I think in about the mid 2000s, we'd kind of done most of the country in terms of map books and mapping. And so now we're trying to figure out, okay, how do I grow as a business or, you know, that sort of stuff. So, cause now we've gone from being just hardcore personalized books to a little bit of a business. So, so along came the evolution of the, the GPS and, and that whole component of mapping. So we had to try to figure out how to take all these paper maps and throw them onto a little chip. Right. And it was not that it wasn't that easy back in the day. Uh, Garmin was, you know, who, who's pretty good. Now they were, they weren't that good, helpful back then. So I think we had some young guy working with some guy who cracked code back in, in Dutch or in Holland and created some way to transpose your stuff onto these, these chips to work in these devices. And it was some guy trying to figure out Dutch, literally, and all the technology with that. Meanwhile, trying to get the licensings with Garmin to be able to do this, but they wouldn't provide you any, uh, you know, support. So it was quite, quite the process. So that was the focus in, in the, in the 90s is to try to get, I guess, into the digital era or not the 90s, but the 2000s and stuff. So, um, yeah. And from that came the, the growth or the boom in, in technology and the ability to get better road and trail data and all that sort of stuff. So, so in the meantime, our, our paper maps improved because you're able to get more stuff in there that's more accurate so mm -hmm. now in 2018 uh you guys had a you know quite the milestone 25th year anniversary um you know going back to 1992 i guess when you yeah you, you had this epiphany and then 93 working out of a garage did you ever think you'd you know you'd hit the the 25 years in business milestone well definitely that's a, it's a big thing. Like I think uh, even back then, or even nowadays, what are the stats? 90% of businesses go out of, you know, 70% go out of business in the first three years and 90% are out of business in their first 10 years. So, you know, we always looked at that and said, wow, if we make it to 10 years, that's pretty impressive. And then, yeah, it's just come along and it's, it's been a fun ride in the fact that uh, it's something I love. I use, I'm like, I'm probably my biggest fan in the fact that I use it all the time. And that's how we, you know, I know I want to add overlays for forest service roads on my app because I want to be able to load those roads onto the, the satellite imagery because I, I want to know what's there in the background. You know, it's nice to have a good map, but I can't see it. I want to know where I'm going to go. You know, obviously for hunting is the main reason for that and that sort of stuff. So it's been a self-serving, you know, I guess if you look at it, it's 20, 28 years, I think now. So it's been a self-serving 28 years where I keep making the product for myself and just lucky enough that I have hundreds of thousands of fanatical fans that continue to buy our product and support me and my family and the, you know, the, the stuff that I have. Now, along the way, was there, I mean, I, I'm a business owner myself. I've been a business for over 15 years. So, you know, I can relate to, you know, the hurdles you face. Um, along the way was there any times when you uh where you guys almost packed it in you you know you almost said just screw it i'd have to say no um the only real struggles were you know the brothers obviously at one point uh you know the map books were were pretty successful and my brother was uh, you know trying to become a, a lawyer and he he was getting a little bit disheartened in the fact because he kind of let me run with the show with the map books he kind of would help out you know with research and you know money and anything else like that as needed but um it was kind of my baby and so he was getting a little bit uh disheartened in the fact that he was only known as the back roads brother so um <laughs> there was a little uh, bit of a, a, a fall out of that right you i, know, I chuckle because i've been in business with my brothers so i chuckle <laughs> at that i know exactly where you're coming from yeah so we we kind of realized that the best way to do it is he's a very silent partner you know he only gives a little bit of advice but he's been totally on the side of it and just very supportive and all that sort of stuff. But at one point he, you know, he realized that this company is worth quite a bit because we have all this product and all this data and all this information and, um, you know, very, very loyal following, you know, he wanted 
to maybe kind of get out. That was the only real struggle. And I said, well, I'm not doing it, dude, because it's something I love and, and preach. And from your point of view, you know, you can go out and do all the things you still love to do, which is, you know, hunting and fishing and you can write it all off. So this is a, this is a dream because we, the things we love to do, we are actually able to legitimately do tax-free, right? Like use all those expenses to hold against the company and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and it's even today I live vicariously through all the, you know, my, the writing and research that I do, right? Like it's, it, it really is an exciting thing. And, my, my bucket list is so big. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, when your job is, is being part of, of getting out in the back country, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The only sad thing is I run it too much as a business and don't get out there enough. I should, uh, I should probably get out there more, but you know, we, we do definitely get out, but you know, never enough. It's never enough, <laughs> oh, but it's never enough though. It doesn't matter how much you get out. It's, it's still never enough. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's been a fun ride, but yeah, the, um, we've never really had a big struggle. We've always been successful, I guess. And that's, so there was never been real reason to want to look at the company and say, well, it, it's got to go. It's, 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 you know, we've had better years than others, of course. And, you know, we had a little bit of a slowdown a few years ago before this COVID hit, and, you know, the COVID thing has been kind of a, an eye opening to us. And the fact that our, our sales have, not increase they just changed significantly right so you know there's hundreds of thousands more people looking to get out and stuff and so we're obviously a, a, in a good business at this time but we lost our distribution quite a bit and we lost a lot of retailers but it's been replaced with online sales and, and more app sales and more gps and more digital stuff so it's been very interesting and be kind of curious how it's going to work after covid you know Am I going to have everyone back in the office or do I sell half my office? Cause I got two, two, uh, two side-by-side buildings there. I, I don't know, like, because I've always been a proponent of working at home, you know, you work hard, play harder is, is the best way to, to do it. And, you know, I think that's what my, my workers have realized they can do now. They're getting out and doing more and more of themselves, which is important. I think so. I think, you know, that, that change might've been inevitable anyway, you know, the, the swap from retail to online. So it's kind of a trend over the last, you know, three or four years that. Yeah. The only um, resistance we had in previous to COVID was the shipping component, right? Cause we're just a, a little publishing company in Canada, right? And Canada is not very big, right? The U S and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, people can get free shipping from Amazon and all these other, you know, people, but man, we, we can't do that. We can't afford yeah. it. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. So now the people are willing to pay the, the shipping price and, and our online sales have gone up significantly because there's zero resistance to it because it's like, man, I can order that map and it's going to be here like without me having to go to the store. And, you know, especially our, our, our people that know us, right? They all know that they'll get a good quality product and it'll be, you know, we support it. And, you know, if there's anything wrong with it, of course, we'll return it and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's been very good. Challenging, you know, because we've had to rejig our, you know, business philosophy but it's definitely been really good you touched on the app a bit and uh you know i kind of wanted to talk a bit about that just it's to me i think uh you know i've i've used the backroads maps for years and i've got every single one of the backroads maps for bc and uh, i just recently started playing around with that app and i think once you know a lot of a lot of mugs get uh, used to the app and they figure it out i think um it's going to be a pretty useful tool now obviously you have a better understanding and knowledge of of you know some of the features and layers and stuff so maybe you can just tell us a bit about uh the key ones you know something some of the ones that hunters would find useful yeah certainly well obviously the app has been kind of a, a long process to get it evolved so we, we did an original one that kind of was a little bit too complicated so we and then apple <laughs> wouldn't let us update it so we, we were stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place for some policy we tried <laughs> till we were blue in the face to update that thing but they wouldn't let us do it so we had to start from scratch so the good thing is we were able to do it internally and, and develop it and stuff so we tried to create a pretty user friendly interface with not a whole lot of buttons and tools because it can get pretty confusing but on our app we um you know obviously you can load up the maps and then we have the, the layer button is the big one that people need to use kind of one on the top right there the squiggly lines and and in that you can kind of go in and choose what you want to see on the map you know you can put it all on there or you can just put up the, the hunting layers you know like in bc we we've been improving our data to improve in uh, things like limited entry areas, which is pretty unique to BC. Other uh, provinces have similar, so we're kind of 
adding those different layers on like, you know, our competitor, like say hunting buddy and all that sort of stuff. Those are, they, they're just not mappers. They don't know the information. So we're going to continue to add components like that. And then recently we added the satellite imagery to the, to the app, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, that's a nice, add, that's a nice feature. And then the, um, the offline maps is compared to any other um, one. The only one that is comparable is who we also work with is Gaia in terms of the ability to, to um, load up an offline map, because obviously when you're hunting, you're rarely in, in cell coverage, at least in BC, even in Ontario and in Alberta, you know, there are pockets that you're, you're not, you're not going to be able to have the, the cell coverage and, or it's, it's iffy cell coverage, which makes, the, the apps or the maps really hard and really hard on your battery too. So anyways, the offline maps download super quick, includes all the information you, you want on there. So between those things, those are the real things that the mappers or the uh, hunters in particular want to use is, is the map and turn on the layers they want. You know, if they're going to go camping, they might want to turn on the rec site or the park layer. If they want to go uh, just hunting, or fishing, they can turn on those various layers. But the hunting layer has all the, you know, the management units. And if we have the the other data, like the limited entry areas and our special hunting areas in different provinces, and then uh, from there you can turn on the satellite imagery to see, you know, what we call high resolution, very up to date satellite imagery, which blows anything out, out of the water that I've seen. Anyways, way better than Google better than even Bing, Bing, which was much better than Google. So we're pretty, very excited about that layer. We're hoping that the, our service provider keeps that going because it's it's very current and very, very high resolution. So you can turn that on and then, you know, we, we're going to be adding very soon other provinces, but in BC, we have all the forest service roads as a layer. So you can put that on top of the, the satellite imagery so you can see the roads that, you know, the other maps aren't don't have there and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's a uh, pretty exciting thing and we just keep uh adding little features to it while trying to keep it uh hopefully user-friendly you got a public land private land feature on there as well shows you where you're hunting on if you're hunting on crown land or if you know you're approaching private land that's that's a nice feature to have yeah for sure and that's so you know again data we're we're kind of refining we've been working with the the province (laughs) a little bit here because they they don't even really know what they have and we're trying to explain to them that you know some of the stuff they put in there isn't right (laughs) um you know because they put in in all the provinces too, actually, Alberta is similar and, you know, they put in range land, right? But that's not private land, it's public land. So we're trying to get that cleaned up, but yeah, it's still very helpful. I mean, you know, we're hoping to, if we get enough people, you know, subscribing and then all that sort of stuff and the demand is there, we're going to kind of follow along with the other guys, in particular, the guys in the States where we, we be able to add the, you know, the, the private landowner information in there, you know, that's expensive data and we would need, you know, a lot of support and a lot of people to, to kind of go that level, but we will hopefully get there. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a, that's a big, big one for like Alberta, Saskatchewan, more, more so than British Columbia. Yeah, I mean, there's so much public yeah. land in BC that um, it's not really hard to find public land if you're looking. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously a little bit challenging in, you know, the Southern part of the province, it's, you know, and all we obviously all the valleys and other sort of stuff. So generally, if you look at our maps in BC, you look at the gray that's more than likely either going to be private and or, you know, rangeland, which kind of, you don't you don't want you in there. And then obviously in Ontario and Alberta and all the other provinces, it's green. We've got the, you know, the, the land in there. We're just continually refining that, the, the crown land. So hoping people understand that layer and can use it because it's, it's, it's a very powerful tool for the hunters. Yeah, it, it's got a bunch of other cool toys in there too you can uh, you drop waypoints um you can record your tracks and and save maps for offline use so yeah I, I, like i said i just started messing around with it but uh there's there's part of we, we put out the the web map first which has got a ton more bells and whistles and the two are going to kind of tie up pretty quick we just working through the technology of that so when you save a, a trip either on the web map which because of course the computer you can do so much more on right um you can kind of bring that over to the app and vice versa but um yeah we haven't really gone to town on promoting the app because we were working through two massive things that we just released not too long ago which was the satellite imagery and the ability to record the offline maps with all the adventure and other information so we've just got that in there now it's just a matter of you know we're in we're in heavy production mode for the for the map books and the paper maps right so we haven't had a whole lot of time to focus on on marketing so you know a small company it's always a challenge but yeah so 
once we've done that, we're going to you know start marketing this thing because I, I don't think there's an app out there that can touch the quality of content that we have and you know the features and it delivers everything better than anything, right? So we're like 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 we've always been. We try to be all things to everyone. You know, have all the trails in there, have all the fishing and hunting information in there and, and stuff like that, and just have a better map and with the delivery of the app. When combined with the web map, there there's isn't anything out there that can can touch it. And we're pretty proud of that. So you know, for the backcountry user, I think it's uh, I think it's the best map you're going to find available to yeah. To oh yeah, for sure. You know, obviously we don't, we can't touch Google and all you know the stuff in the cities, and we don't, we don't need to get there and all that sort of stuff and all that. You know, each thing has its own component, right? And um, yeah, we definitely focus on the backcountry and, and making sure that we have as much information out there that is we can get in there because, you know, things from cabins and backcountry huts to campsites and, you know, out there and trails that aren't on other maps are, are really helpful to people out there exploring. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, I think I'm going to wrap this up, man. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Kevin. I always like to talk about myself, so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's easy to fill it up, but yeah, we definitely appreciate the, uh, your reaching out to us and I'm glad you're a user and we'll definitely uh, be in touch. Okay, man. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Well, I could always put the plug in, but it's brmb.com, brmbmaps.com. So uh, check it out, people, if you want to get the latest and greatest in mapping and uh, and apps. That's the best delivery tool you'll find out there for the backcountry bar none. And, uh, and folks are going to have access to all your guys' stuff uh, in the show notes of this podcast. So uh, having said that, uh, I'm going to let you go, man. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll chat soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it. you believe that? Wow. I guess it's all worth it. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.